What up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Marie Shadows, and on this episode, we are continuing our talk from the last podcast episode about AEW. So this is part two. If you have not listened to part one, please go do that. Even though you really don't need to, if you don't want to have an open mind to listen to part one, you don't have to. These are just topics of AEW that I'm just talking about and how to fix it and just question everything that has been going on in the past couple of months in regards to AEW, in regards to the quote unquote investigation that never showed any type of proof after the all out media scrum, not a media press conference like how WWE will have it, but a media scrum of all out and then also talking about how toxic the IWC is or the AEW fan base and the constant arguments that are on Twitter. So that was all about part one. Part two deals with the Dark Order and how far they have fallen. This obsession of using negative one to their advantage to get over to get into people's hearts and for the Twitter universe to sort of fantasy book this kid when he's 18 years old to have a villain origin story and when he's 18 years old he's gonna be a wrestler and all this kind of stuff when I'm like he should just be a kid. I'll discuss a little bit about Jericho versus Ishii. That Moxley promo where it was like, oh, you watched The Lion King way before you decided to cut this promo. Athena being heel and anything else that I could think of. So let's just jump right into part two. Let's start with The Dark Order. The Dark Order was a fantastic group. When they first formed, we didn't know anything about them. They were Creatures of the night, dare I say, they were creepers, and they wanted you to join this order. They wanted you to join in on this cult. People bought in, and it later turned into something wonderful, and it could have been AEW's biggest, maybe babyface team, maybe heel team, but the biggest team that they would have had and they could have built off of stories and feuds with the Dark Order. Unfortunately, we did lose Brody Lee and that was a devastating loss to everyone around the world and to the wrestling community and we all mourned for the loss of Brody Lee. We all lose people, we all know how that feels. Not to dismiss it fully, but once you make peace and acknowledge that he would want you to continue the Dark Order legacy and just continue his legacy would make an even stronger team. However, nobody on that team is of leadership material, and this is why we are currently seeing the downfall of the Dark Order, which is super sad. The Dark Order by now should have been AEW Tag Team Champion. The Dark Order by now should have at least held the TNT Championship title. The Dark Order should have at least held the All-Atlantic Championship title, even though that is a new title that just got introduced. The Dark Order 
should have at least won the trio's title. The Dark Order should have at least won the AEW World Heavyweight title. The Dark Order should have at least won something on the Ring of Honor side. But they keep playing games. They keep doing really ridiculous kiddie shit that is not getting them anywhere. And they have to shape up and be a little bit more serious and take command of their career and their stories and really tell Tony Khan, look, we want to go at the championships. We want to be in the spotlight. They are way too comfortable with either being on Twitch or being on AEW Dark and Dark Evolution that no one really watches. If your show caps out at 200K views on the first day, and then slowly over the weeks climb up in number, yeah, that's a problem. Anyway, the Dark Order is really comfortable with having members leave that make no sense. You had Anna Jay that joined up in the Dark Order, and she could have been something great within the team to have just a female there and conquering the women's division, whether that's going after the TBS championship title or the women's championship title but instead she decided to join up with her buddy Tay Mello with the Jericho Appreciation Society and it is the worst really like this makes no sense why would you leave one team to go to another team it might be because she actually wanted to do things and the dark order is just I'm happy to be here I'm so content oh my god I get to do what I want and we barely see them wrestling. Sure, they may show up on Dynamite like once every so often that people want them to show up on. And most of the time they are just having these matches on the YouTube show that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't accumulate to anything. You know, with all their wins, again, they should have been AEW Tag Team Champions, but they're not. So Anna J leaves. And then now Preston, who is Dark Order number 10, leaves and breaks Negative One's heart. And he leaves Dark Order just to go to another team because Roosh, even though it is Rush, I need to know why we have to call him Roosh, wants him to be his tag partner. Andrade wanted him. So it's like, why are wrestlers leaving one team to go to another team that doesn't even have a legacy that doesn't have like a repertoire of wins that we could talk about a story that we could talk about an angle that we could talk about why are you leaving one deadbeat team for another deadbeat team that hasn't been established in AEW but yet then we talk very fondly of all the ex-WWE wrestlers in AEW the internet wrestling community barely talks about the OG AEW wrestlers until something sparks a conversation or a debate or an argument. And then all of a sudden, people remember the original AEW wrestler. I don't know if people remember the Dark Order. There are certain people of the AEW community that will follow the Dark Order wherever they go. And that... They will watch them on Twitch. They'll watch them on the YouTube show. And then that's about it. No one really cries on the internet for we need more Dark Order. 
So there's this disconnect between the AEW originals and the ex-WWE superstars that get the spotlight way more than the AEW originals. The ones that can be the pillars, the ones that can push AEW to the next chapter and tell amazing stories. But because Tony Khan keeps, well, not anymore, he slowed down. He used to sign everyone and anyone that would leave WWE. But now he just slowed down. But back to the Dark Order. So they are in this weird state and eventually is going to be broken up and Hangman Adam Page is not going to save them. If he didn't save them before, that really didn't need saving or maybe it did. He's not going to save them now. What could have been is that Evil Uno should have taken over as leader. I do remember they had that conflict inside the Dark Order and it took the widow of Brody Lee to be like, stop bickering, he never wanted this. We're a family, we're a family. And then the Dark Order was like, yeah, guys, we're a family. Kumbaya, we're so sorry to each other. We should have never been fighting. Sometimes you need internal conflict like that. And then to solve it, you have a series of matches to see strengths, weaknesses, stories, angles, you know, because somebody is always going to get upset at losing to someone else when they think that they're better than them. And then could have had a story of after all that turmoil, they realize that they are stronger together than they are divided. And that could have been worked through with Evil Uno being the leader. But Evil Uno is such a nice guy. I don't know what it is about Canadians and them being super, super nice. But there's not like an evil thing in his body. And yet then he's called Evil Uno. Like, I don't get it. You're supposed to play a character. You came up with Evil Uno. And all of a sudden it's like, are you really evil? If not, like change your character. Change your character to fit who you are. And so I would think that Evil Uno being the general the number one to Brody Lee that he would have stepped up to take control of the team because obviously negative one can do it. He's still a kid. He's underage. There is no way that they will allow that to happen. But in the world of AEW, since it's such a family base, kids can appear on television, even though it's highly supervised and it's probably strict because you don't want him to get hurt. But at the same time, it's like, let him be a kid. He doesn't need this exposure. He doesn't need this so early on in his life because wrestling and the wrestling business has a lot of consequences. And while, yes, that he is hanging around people that are good nature and they'll have his back and if anything happens, they'll be there for him. At the same time, these are adults and he's still a kid. So I'd rather have him be with other kids and learn that way rather than seeing what adults do or hearing what adults do. Like it was very cringe when Sammy Guevara posted up that little mini snippet or maybe Tate posted it up or somebody posted it up on Twitter where it's Sammy Tate and negative one is there and Sammy is all like, oh, Tay, did you hear about the rumors of us banging? And obviously, Negative One probably doesn't know what that slang 
means when it comes to two sentient adults. So that's something that shouldn't really be exposed to him so super early in his young life. Let him learn all that as he grows up through the years rather than being like, hey, these two people are banging, meaning they're having sex. Like, and then he's going to have all these questions like what's sex and all this kind of stuff. Like, it's just not a good look to still have kids running around in AEW hanging out with adults that say adult things and may not always watch what they say. That's why if like Cody Rose was there, it would be a lot more fun, you know, stuff like that. And of course, somebody might tell me that I don't know the kid personally and I don't know this personally. And I really don't. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I don't. But I still think that it is a red flag to have negative one involved in most of this stuff and come out during the dark tapings and have fun and stuff like that when he's still a kid and he could get hurt and this is not the appropriate time or age for him in the wrestling business but yet then people online would just fantasy book this kid to have a villain origin story because every one of his favorites are leaving him to go to the heel team. And it's like, how dare you fantasy book a little kid that you may not even know if this kid turns 18, if he still wants to do wrestling. He may say he wants to do wrestling and continue his father's legacy, but as you grow up, your mind changes, your interests changes. You try to figure out where you fit, where you belong, what your passions are, what do you want to do, your goals, your hobbies, everything changes. And sometimes wrestling may not fit into all of that. So we don't know. So stop fantasy booking a child. It's the same way of how Izzy from Izzy Mania got popular and big and got pushed into the limelight of wrestling. And you have a bunch of creepy dudes in her DMs or a bunch of creepy dudes just replying to her and stuff like that. It's one of those things of being careful with creating child stars on the internet because this isn't like back in the day in the 90s and the 2000s. It's 2022 where the internet is more accessible and anybody can do anything with pictures, video, anything. So I'm just saying that sometimes kids don't need to be exposed so much to wrestling because again the wrestling business has consequences and even though a child will tell you that they are mature enough or they understand or they get it no they don't their brains are not fully developed yet so no that's our defense mechanism when we don't want to hear anything or want to listen to the adult who's been through the experiences. So that's just a defense mechanism, just so you know. All right, aside from that, let me talk a little bit about Jericho versus Ishii. AEW tends to water down New Japan wrestlers, and they tend to get the ones that always lose, and they tend to get the ones that no one really cares about, and they don't have a video package explaining why this New Japan wrestler that's coming over to AEW is fighting Jericho or fighting whoever 
You know, there's no video package. There's no hype. There's no interview. It's just like Tony Khan picks up the phone and is like, hey, Rocky, do you guys have anybody that we can use to boost up ratings? You know, um, I need somebody to fight Jericho. And here comes Ishii because Ishii is not doing anything. We're currently in World Tag League and Super Junior Tag League and Ishii's not there at all. He's not part of a team. He's not even on the tour to be on the undercard. So why not, right? Send him over to AEW. The fans are just dying to see Ishii again when Ishii lost the other couple of times, especially during that battle royale to figure out who's going to be in the Fatal 4-Way at Forbidden Door and... Adam Cole got a victory over Ishii and that would have never happened just because Ishii is a monster in the ring. He is the stone pit bull for a reason. This guy does not really budge. This guy has amazing matches with Sonata, Naito, Okada. Like he has really good matches. He tells really good stories in the ring through his eyes. However, in this match, it was definitely hard-hitting. I'll give him that. Ishii made Jericho bleed from those chops. But the one thing that I didn't like was the slapping of the face fest. So usually in New Japan Pro Wrestling, they still follow a strong style, meaning that it is hard-hitting chops, slaps, kicks, Anything that brings in a lot of power into the attack now is changing to where it's a hybrid of strong style and mixing of high flying and submissions and all that. It's becoming an all round style now in New Japan Pro Wrestling. However, on AEW, they always try to incorporate the things that will think that the crowd likes but in reality, you can see that some fans laugh at it. So when Jericho and Ishii were slapping each other, there's a fan that was laughing about it being like, what is this? Obviously, he has not been exposed to New Japan and how they do things. New Japan does it in a way where it feels like it means something to slap somebody. Like if you automatically slap murder grandpa Suzuki. You better pray to your God that you're still here the next morning because, man, not only is Murder Grandpa going to enjoy that, he's definitely going to hit you back harder and you might wake up seeing stars. So over in Japan, it's sort of like an art form to have slapping, chopping, kicking, strong style. Strong style is definitely an art form over there. When you bring it over here to the States, because everyone is thinking very differently about wrestling because everyone knows about wrestling and is a little too smart, maybe a little too smart for their own good with wrestling. They're not going to enjoy it as much. They're going to say that it is fake. It is a spot. It is this. It is that. They're going to really disassemble the art that is strong style and that is New Japan Pro Wrestling. And then Ishii loses Again, Ishii loses in an AEW ring against Jericho, not capturing the Ring of Honor championship title. And he taps out and he makes sure that he taps out with a middle finger to Chris Jericho to tell him to fuck off, I guess. 
And this is why I don't like it when New Japan wrestlers come over to AEW because they barely get a leg up. It's bad enough they don't have a video package. It's bad enough they don't have an interview. It's bad enough that the AEW crowd and Ring of Honor crowd have to sit there and be like, who is this wrestler? Everyone on the internet could be like, go Google him. But why would they waste their times when you can tell us through story, through story, if you don't want story in your wrestling, go to your local indie wrestling promotion. Stop trying to make AEW that indie wrestling promotion that has no story. Also for the IWC that says to Google this person, Google that person, you do realize that you're the same person in that boat that goes to a nine to five job who ends up being miserable, who has customers maybe yelling at you. You may not be having a good day and you come home and you want to watch two to three hours of wrestling a week on your specific day of that show. And why would you want to pick up your phone to Google this wrestler when you know you're going to get sidetracked, when you know you're going to get distracted and then have an argument on Twitter or Instagram or Reddit against another wrestling fan because you think that they are wrong. Like, let wrestling companies continue to do stories, video packages for wrestlers that are not under contract with AEW and they're being loaned out because that's how you establish more lore, more character, more layers, everything in wrestling. It is story-based no matter how you look at it. Just because you hate WWE doesn't mean that you have to oppose it and completely be like, oh, we can't do anything WWE does because it's so bad. So yay to all this stuff that we're supposed to hate. Supposed to. That's because people tell you what to hate, which is really bad. Anyway, can someone please tell Excalibur that when he says Ishii's name, it is not Ishii. There is no Ishii in that. Everyone in Japan and even the commentators, wonderful Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton says Ishii. It's the same way if you were to say Taiji Ishimori. There is no Ishii mori e. There's, there's none of that. So please let Excalibur know that it is Ishii, Tomohiro Ishii, and that's it. There's no Ishii, it's Ishii. That's it. The next topic I want to touch on is the William Regal and John Moxley and Brian Danielson promo, which, by the way, William Regal is amazing, he's awesome, he's great, and his promo was great. John Moxie coming out, being very upset and angry. It's like, bro, aren't you going to take a vacation? You lost the AEW World Championship title. Go take a vacation. Your match with MJF wasn't that great. I didn't feel any chemistry at all between these two. It just felt like Moxie was in his own world, like he wanted to get it done, and he'll go on his vacation. It didn't feel like he was invested in this while... MJF is doing everything he can and getting this freaking Academy Award that someone should award him with because MJF has been putting in 
more than 110% to be the best person in AEW. And by the way, he's the only person that is keeping me interested in the AEW product because he is so good, because he finally came back and did a phenomenal job in his character work and his promo work. He always had it, but now he's on a bigger stage, a bigger spotlight because he is our AEW world champion. Now getting back to AEW Dynamite where John Moxie comes out and basically just quotes the Lion King telling William Regal to run, run far away and never return. And I was like, oh shit, is William Regal Simba? Like, come on, dude. Like, this is why I hate when John Moxie goes on interviews and he has to be like, yeah, we don't do scripts. We don't need scripts. Everything is go, go, go. Like, we could say whatever we want. And this is why you end up having hit or miss promos that make no fucking sense because you are so filled with emotion. You are so filled with this emotion that you love this business and I totally get it. But when you talk on the mic, it doesn't come out how it should come out, meaning that the words you choose are very weak in compared to what's happening. And I totally get the situation that you were frustrated during this. You just lost the AEW World Championship t title. So that brings out a frustration. But at the same time, you should be at home. Because this match should have been the blow-off match. There's no reason for you to come on AW Dynamite and have a promo battle with William Regal to tell him to leave. And then Danielson comes in. And I'm going to be honest. I did not see or hear what Danielson had to say. I did see that he got on one knee. And he was maybe trying to be the voice of reason. But Danielson has become boring to me. And I'm just like, bro, just stop this all like high school thing of like trying to get the answer as to why William Regal did this is getting a little tiresome. It drags Moxley coming out to do his promo meant absolutely nothing. It didn't do anything. It didn't add anything. Yes, I get it. You're frustrated. You don't want to beat the shit out of Regal right there and then. But to tell him to run and go away and never return. Oh, my God, the Lion King. You're such a scar, John Moxley. You're such a scar. William Regal is the one connection between everybody in this. And you're telling him to leave when he could be providing more context as to what's happening, even though this Wednesday we are going to have MJF speak about his win and stuff like that. And with William Regal, we'll get some more stuff. But John Moxley does not help promos. He does not. I think that telling William Regal to go far away and never return was not the best thing to do. Like, I get it, but it should have been thought about a little bit differently. And this is why sometimes you do need scripts. And I think that John Moxie needs a script or at least bullet points that he can't just shoot from the hip and be like, yeah, it's a promo. 
It's a passionate promo. Like you say the same things almost every time. That doesn't move your story, your arc, your character. It doesn't do any of that. You guys already know how I feel about John Moxley. It's just that I wish that Moxley will understand that to be a wrestler, it's not just about brawling. It's not about fighting everywhere. It's not about just fighting everyone. Because if there is no story, if there is no interconnection and like woven pieces together for your story, then what's the point? You're just wasting everyone's time. Yes, they are going to be good matches, bad matches, decent matches, but no one talks about them. No one has a write-up of these are the best matches you got to check out from John Moxley. No one has a write-up of, hey, do you remember six months ago he faced so-and-so? Do you remember that he was at this promotion and because John Moxley, who was the AEW champion at this time, helped this promotion to get a TV deal or helped this promotion bring in new superstars? You don't see John Moxley doing seminars. No one's writing about like John Moxley doing seminars. Like he has the ability to do seminars if he wanted to. I'm going on this rant that may not make sense because there are just things that fans clamor to when it comes to John Moxley. They think that he is perfect. They think that he's great. But if nothing is connecting and he's just doing a bunch of things, that's what I'm trying to get at. That is my point. It's like, why are you doing a bunch of things that don't really connect? In wrestling, something has to connect because it's a story. Again, if you're just fighting people just to fight people, then don't be AEW champion. Go out there and run the indies, get that experience. Like That's what I think every time that he goes out there just to go wrestle. Like There's no reason for him to show up at an indie promotion a day before or two days before like a pay-per-view. Like When he showed up in New York City for New Japan Rumble, Rumble on 44th Street, and he had the pay-per-view not too long from that. I was like, why are you here? There's no reason for you to be here. There's no reason for you to get on that plane to fly over to New York City just to have a match that meant nothing. That probably is not going to go anywhere for John Moxley. Maybe we'll see him in the G1 next year. I don't know. But I'm just saying that really in that time frame did not really do anything for him. So has the match, the New York City team closes out the event, and then John Moxie is over at the pay-per-view of AEW like that same weekend. And again, it's like you have a pay-per-view. What happens if you would have got injured? What happens if your flight would have been delayed and you couldn't make it to the event? What are you going to do? There's a time to book yourself like a madman when you need to versus making sure that you are the champion, the face of the company, and you are 100% to go because you know that you're booked for their pay-per-view because you are the main attraction, you are the star, and you are the moneymaker that people are buying the ticket to go see. So those are the little things that kind of bother me, his mindset. I totally get it that he's passionate about this and he wants to be everywhere but you can't be everywhere you can't John Moxie makes it look effortless but in reality like you really can't be everywhere so again 
if my rant on John Moxie doesn't make sense, it's because I'm trying to look at the bigger picture of everything aside from wrestling because he still needs to work on his promos. I'm just saying he needs to work on his promos and actually be interested in what he's doing because it just feels like he's going through the motions. And can someone please convince him to take a vacation? Thank you. One last thing. It is one thing to build the AEW brand by doing all of that, by doing your own little circuit, but it does not benefit at all. There has been like no changes at all. It just feels like it's the same thing, nothing different. So that's why you have to pick and choose what's best for your business to grow and how much do you send these wrestlers out to the indies to promote your business, to try to get their fans to watch your show and stuff like that. Like pick and choose. You don't have to like run the circuit and then run yourself ragged and then not be interested in a title match, you know? So again, tell John Moxley to take a vacation. On Dynamite this coming Wednesday, you guys might hear this episode after the fact, but I do not like that we are getting a singles match of Daniel Bryan versus Dax from FTR. I am not a fan of when tag teams end up having singles matches if it's not directly linked to a tag team story. So if it was FTR versus Claudio Castagnoli and Danielson and they were doing the story over a couple of months and then they decided to be like, all right, we have bested each other every single time we were in tag team matches. Now I challenge you to a singles match. And therefore, that singles match would make sense. I just don't get why we have a random match. It really does look like a random match on paper, on a graphic. It looks like a random match. There's probably some little mini story behind it. And if someone could tell me what it is, that'd be great. But other than that, I feel like for as many times as Dax has been having singles matches, I feel really bad for Cash because I'm like... Cash is a little bit better, in my opinion. But then again, it's like that leads me to speculate that FTR is eventually going to break up, that we're not going to have the team anymore and so forth. Like I mentioned before in one of my other podcast episodes that by having these singles matches, I'm just like they're going to eventually break up. And I use the term eventually. So it could happen in the future, near future. It can happen right after them dropping the damn New Japan Pro Wrestling IWGP Tag Team Championships at Wrestle Kingdom. They should be in World Tag League. This is what I don't like. Tony Khan could pick up the phone and be like, hey, Rocky, I need some New Japan guys but he can't pick up the phone to be like, hey, New Japan, we have your belts. Can I send over FTR for that tour? Because obviously they're not really doing anything with them. We have a singles match. They just had a tag match. Oh, well. But what is that really doing? Is that really doing anything justice for the New Japan tag team titles? No. Is that doing any justice for the Ring of Honor tag team titles? No. Nobody has been challenging them for these titles that they hold 
But yet then everybody wants to come after Jericho and Jericho wants to be the savior of Ring of Honor and the Ring of Honor World Championship title. Samoa Joe is still television title, I believe. We got the tag team titles. We have the trio Ring of Honor tag team titles too. So it's like you have all these belts. You have all these wrestlers. And I know there's not enough time to showcase all of them, but something's going to have to be done. FTR is going to have to drop some titles. FTR is going to have to go over to Japan and really show the crowd who they are. And get over with the Japanese crowd. Right now, they're not really doing much. You had FTR off of the full gear pay-per-view to the point where Dax is like, Hey guys, should I stream my NXT tag team match? That's a bad look. Why would you want your tag team champions, who are champions of Ring of Honor and New Japan, stream your competition? When you clearly say that WWE is your competition, you know, like, why would you want that to happen? It didn't happen because people would have probably put the link up on Twitter for people to tune in if Dax was doing a streaming thing. But I don't know if Dax knows how to stream on Twitch, but that's just me. Regardless, the thing is, is that I don't like when a tag team has a singles wrestling match for the sake of having a wrestling match and people are like oh my god I'm excited for this are you really are you really excited for this what is so exciting about this that what is it going to do what story are we going to tell how are we going to continue this next week because this is going to happen and then nothing is probably going to be on rampage and then next week AEW Dynamite is going to happen to continue this story or whatever this is going to be in professional wrestling you always ask well okay if I'm going to be in this angle in this story what's going to happen next week what's going to happen the following week what's going to happen after a pay-per-view what's going to happen if the other person suddenly gets a championship title am I in line to get that championship title since I've been feuding with that person and that person somehow happens to get championship gold like I should be in the running for that these are questions to help improve story, to help improve characters, and I'm just throwing it out there like that. But I personally do not like when a tag team wrestler goes into a singles match, wrestling match, and just goes on from there. And we'll just be like, oh my god, it's a wrestling match, yay! You could have used that time to tell stories and improve upon other stories. Which brings me into my last point, because I just remember this. Athena's heel turn. Let's talk about it because this one should have been through AEW Dynamite, through AEW Rampage, but no. So most of Athena's heel turn work was done on the AEW Dark and Dark Evolution YouTube shows. And this is where her mean streak was developing, where Every time she hit somebody, it looked like they owed her rent money. And I like the tasteful side of a heel where it doesn't cross and blur the lines between you hate this person and you super hate this person. So you're going to hit them as if like they owed you rent money. There's a way to do stuff that doesn't look like it's on the verge of you really have some grudge against them and nobody knows what it is 
Because remember, even though you're supposed to make wrestling look real and look like it's a fight, you're also supposed to take care of your opponent and make sure that the opponent is okay. You know, it shouldn't look like you're there to automatically destroy them, you know. So she's working her heel story and character on dark and dark evelation and it's getting really good the only thing that i would say is this should have been weeks in preparation done on dynamite and rampage there was that one time it was on rampage and she hit referee aubrey which that should have satisfied me but it really didn't because I knew that Aubrey wanted to have a spot sometime in AEW because she really gets in there and is so really bossy that doesn't really need to be bossy. Like you got to pick your times to be bossy and not bossy as a referee. But again, I knew she wanted to take a spot one of these days and Athena hitting her with a forearm hit in the chest should have been satisfying to me, but it really wasn't. It's just that I don't really like when someone is so aggressive for the sake of being aggressive and to show that no one could get over on the referee and stuff like that. But then it doesn't make sense. You're aggressive one minute and then the other minute you're lax or, you know, you're aggressive in this match. But when it comes to someone else, you're not aggressive. And it's just it's a whole big thing. With Aubrey and also Bryce, because these two overreact and you there's a balance that you need to be a good referee where you don't take away from the match. Or you don't take away from the wrestlers and everything is on you. I really don't like that. But that's a whole nother discussion for a whole nother podcast episode. Anyway, only now is Athena getting to do her heel work on aw dynamite and this is where sometimes people can miss the dots or don't connect the dots and then other aw fans get upset because they're like oh you have to watch the youtube shows and it's like that kind of character work should not be on the youtube shows because you want to teach the other women in the roster to be like this is how you do character work this is how you work in front of the camera in front of the eyes of the audience that watches you at home after a nine to five job you know you want to showcase this in front of the people who give you the ratings who make sure that the ratings come through you know like i said if your youtube show caps at 200k in the first viewing and then slowly climbs up to the numbers over the weeks and then stops, you have a problem. But because we are doing ratings in an everyday setting, then, you know, you have to work the ratings. You shouldn't be working the YouTube views because nobody can really tell if the YouTube views are genuine because YouTube views can get bought. YouTube views can basically have bots. So using YouTube as a measurement for how good a character story is or how good character development is and then transfer that to EW live television is not a really good measuring stick to see if something works or not because 
fans are more live tweeting a live event than they are tweeting a YouTube show. The ones that I see constantly on my timeline are always talking about what's happening on Dynamite, what's happening on Rampage. Then I see the very loyal tweeters telling you what's happening on the YouTube shows and they're trying their best. They really are, but I really don't see a point to that side of helping. It's more beneficial to live tweet during the live shows so that way maybe somebody on Twitter during that time can tune in and be like, oh, what's this AW thing? Oh, I saw a familiar name. Oh, Chris Jericho? Whoa, what is he doing? And they flip to AW Dynamite and that's a little bit more beneficial than doing, hey, come check out the YouTube show, AW Dark. Why? Why do they need to if they don't have a familiar name on there, you know? So the point is, is that Athena should have been working her heel character on Dark and Rampage for the amount of time, the same amount of time she did on the YouTube shows. However, I am a little confused about her promo saying that she finally got the attention of Mercedes Martinez and is challenging her for the Ring of Honor Women's Championship. What? Athena is still coming off of a devastating loss to Jay Cargo for not getting the TBS championship when they were making that storyline really good. And then the moment that Athena loses, it's like, oh, that's it. Athena went to dark and somehow developed this heel mean streak and i don't know if there's any other explanation if it's because that she lost to jade well if that is the case if that is the story which i don't think it is then all this anger should be redirected towards jade why are you going after a ring of honor women's championship title that has not been shown in months that has not been talked about in months just for the simple fact that the fans going, oh, yeah, we do have a ROH Women's Championship. Why? How? Why do I have a lot of questions? Our focus has always been on the TBS Championship title and the AW Women's Championship title. And now you're trying to fit in time for the Ring of Honor Women's Championship title, which should have been there from the beginning in a way. Not the beginning, beginning, but been there throughout the whole entire time, right? So it would have made sense for Athena to be, Mercedes, I finally got your attention. This is what I mean when it comes to storytelling. Just because there are four different women programs on AW Dynamite. I think there's like four. I've, there might be more. But the point is, because there are a certain number of programs on a wrestling show, that does not mean that there is storylines on there. A program is a program. A storyline is a storyline. A program is, you know, that we're getting Athena versus Mercedes. Bam, that's a program. Do you know the story? No, because I don't know the story and I can't tell you other than Athena has been going on this mean streak and beating up people and that has finally caught the attention of Mercedes Martinez that has not been mentioned in months and hasn't been seen in months and but somehow because you're beating up people it's going to call her out I don't get it when we talk about story it's about 
creating a foundation, a conflict, and a chase. And within that chase, your end goal is to either defeat your opponent in a non-title match and then continue to feud if you want to, or the goal is your opponent has something that you want. So the chase is you're chasing after that championship title, and then, bam, once you get to the end, you could be champion or not be champion. But there is a formula to this, and it is okay to have a formula. When you don't have a formula, how can your podcaster that is telling you reviews of the show exactly tell you the story and to get casual fans in here as new listeners to be invested in professional wrestling? If a podcaster can't tell you the stories that are happening, actual stories, not a program, then, you know, how can you really invest in watching wrestling? The same way that we had Soraya versus Britt not too long ago, and they had that promo battle, and Britt had a sort of babyface kind of promo where Brit put over Soraya and it's like no you have to keep babyface and heel in that dynamic because Soraya is coming out of sort of retirement and Soraya is coming out of being known for being a WWE woman's wrestler coming into AEW and thinking it is her house. So I don't know why AEW loves to flop around heels and baby faces when they don't need to. And then to hear that John Moxie helped with the promos, that's why I was like, it sucked. Like, no, keep the tradition of heels and baby faces. And if you need to go off script where you don't need heels and baby faces, those are the extreme exceptions. And I think the extreme exception goes for MJF. That's like his. But getting back to Soraya and Britt with their promo battles, there was a clear story. There was a simple story. And then once the match was over, that was it. It was done. And I think that that could have been drawn out a little bit more. You know, it could have been a little bit more fun because for some reason I am not satisfied with just having Soraya win against Britt. Britt is too much of a household name and a very powerful household name to just lose to Soraya, Soraya coming in. So that should mentally fuck with Britt's mind. And I really think that they should have continued or some way or Soraya like gloats about winning against Britt and then they continue to have their story. It just feels like AEW stories last about two weeks tops. The only really running story, if there is a story, is between the Elite and Death Triangle. But then again, I don't even know what story that is. So let me wrap this up. This is just me talking about the AEW topics. Part one dealt with the Elite and everything I had to say about that. Kenny Omega's comments in that Sports Illustrated interview, I go in depth to his comments and then make my own comments. And then this one was all about more AEW topics that 
I think really needs to be talked about because the AEW community and the internet wrestling community don't have that conversation. Everyone likes to throw insults. Everyone likes to get mad at each other. And I will say this right now. If you end up getting upset with what I have to say and how I have to say things, I will be dropping my PayPal because I don't have time to match your negative energy when I'm here giving opinions and thoughts And if you're not with me to try to find a solution or to try and basically give your own solution to me so we can find a common ground, then I don't want negative energy versus negative energy because that doesn't solve anything. I'm here to give observations, opinions, thoughts, and solutions to go with it and examples. And if you can't match that, then, you know, don't be so overly angry because I'm not going to meet you at your highest angry level. I'm just probably going to drop my content and be like, hey, come support me. You know, if you have enough time and effort to be negative, like super negative, where it's just yelling and insults and not understanding the bigger picture, then I will just drop my PayPal, drop whatever it is. Because I'd rather make a community where we can improve professional wrestling. Professional wrestling does not have to be perfect, but it can make sense. It should make sense. And it should have story involving it. Kenny Omega, during his Sports Illustrated interview, did say that AEW is a hybrid of sports entertainment and wrestling. So you get wrestling and storytelling all in one. How great is that? And all I want to do is bring back storytelling because we need actual storytelling that does not last two weeks, that does not last a week, that does not last three days. You know, we need storytelling. The best storytelling that is happening in the business is the bloodline storyline from WWE is the storylines currently going on in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Which, by the way, my other podcast episode will be about New Japan Pro Wrestling and how much money they are leaving on the table. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the AW Topics. I hope you guys enjoyed part one and part two. If you guys did enjoy it, these are the multiple ways of you supporting the podcast. If you are a first-time listener, thank you for being a first-time listener. Make sure to hit that follow button on Spotify to be notified when I drop new episodes. If you are new, you have a backlog of podcast episodes to listen to to see what I think, how I think, and what I talk about. I also have wrestler interviews that you might be interested in listening to as well. So this podcast episode will be on anchor.fm forward slash square circle podcast. You can follow me on Twitter and leave your comments on Twitter as well. When you see this tweet over at at Marie underscore shadows over on Twitter. If you want more wrestling content that is exclusive, head over to my newsletter at marieshadows.substack.com. If you want to watch professional wrestling with me on Twitch, head over to twitch.tv forward slash Marie underscore shadows. And I am also on Hive. That's right. I made myself a Hive account, the Hive social. Find me over there at Marie Shadows, one word. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to an episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, 
And I'll see you guys on the next one.